Earbud Media. Audio for everyone. Hi! Good evening. Good evening, New York City! I'm Live Frida. from the... It's me. <laughs> <laughs> I had to really quickly diverse, divert my course. God, that was good. You should be doing improv. <laughs> Hi, I'm Shayna. And I'm Bryce. And this is Charmed, a Spellcast! Hey you listening there, have you heard about the witches with the really nice hair and a penchant for 90s style and kicking ass and taking names when names are worthwhile and knowing how to fight like girls? Demon infested world. They're the charmed ones. They're the charmed ones. They're the charmed ones. Charmed, a spellcast. Um, great. So, hello. Welcome back to you and you and you to all and you of and you. you. It's been a four week hiatus. Yeah. Yes. Has, oh my god. Because we're only bi-weekly, so that's if true. we skip an episode, it's like a whole month. It just builds up. Well, we missed you all very much. Um, I hope you missed us and our incredible additions to the airwaves. I definitely miss doing this, um, and I missed having the energy to do this. Yeah. The reason why we had to skip the last episode was because the schedule... The scheduling got pretty difficult to manage. Yeah, my assistant was having a really hard time penciling hey. everything <laughs> in. I told her, just move to a computer-based system. <laughs> I told her, bump it. Just keep bumping them. <laughs> so, yes, scheduling has been difficult, especially because uh, Bryce is nearly done with grad school. Indeed. I graduate in two weeks. Holy God. Yep. I don't graduate in two weeks. No, you do not. But I will be clapping a lot as I either watch Bryce graduate or think about Bryce graduating (laughs) in a different location than her actual ceremony. And you will be clapping, hopefully, along with me when we view Hadestown. Yes. After graduation. Gosh, I didn't. This was a big surprise that I was going to clue our listeners in on (gasps) very gently because it's a shock. Oh. It's a privilege. I know some of you probably just fell down as you were walking your your morning commute. You were just walking to your uh, your office and you heard someone say they have tickets to Hades Town and you just fell clean over. Shana wrangled that. She I is did. the cowboy. I am the cowboy. That's another thing that's been happening. Are we doing manor keeping right now? Uh, I think it's kind of turned into that. Okay. Well, hello and welcome to manor keeping. <laughs> We still don't have a jingle or anything for this, but I feel like I should make one. Okay. Maybe I will. Maybe so. Maybe so. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Okay. Welcome to Manor Keeping. We have Hades Town tickets. (laughs) 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 Wow! Um, I wrangled them because I am the cowboy. I'm leaning into it very heavily. Uh, Happy to be a cowboy for all of you out there who are enjoying this recent takeover of people who never used to be able to claim the title of cowboy as like essentially a western colonizer Mm. but now taking that shit back yeah so happy to be here yes 
as a cowboy <laughs> and with Town tickets yeah, for Bryce's graduation. I'm so excited. Thank you so much. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm really excited, too. Um, yeah, so what's what's been going on with you other than a very busy schedule that you'd like to clue our listeners <laughs> into? I keep saying our listeners. I never say that. Hello, listener. Hello, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> um, yeah, here's the big scoop. So I finished finals. Ah! Yes, uh, indeed. And then... Uh, and then I also finished a show. We put up Failure, a Love Story. I was sound designing. Um, same week as finals. Uh, <laughs> How did she do it? I do not know. And then emotionally, I've been dealing with the um, transition that many people have to go through. So I'm trying to remind myself about the uh, what's it called? The rite of passage that a lot of us have to endure, mm. which is the feeling of instability and uncertainty as you move from a structured academic environment to a world of job seeking, apartment hunting, and general future finding. It's a really smart way to go about it to like look at it at a relative viewpoint and broaden your perspective to be like everybody, or not everybody, but like I'm a, a good number of people are going through this right now. Um, because when I think about that, when I think about the fact that like a good number of people are going through a hardship that I am also dealing with, um, I don't think that puts it in perspective. I think capitalism has done this to all of us. <laughs> and I have a right to be both lazy and angry. Yeah. Yes. I mean, those are my two general emotions. <laughs> <laughs> lazy and angry. <laughs> um, but I'm trying to incorporate hope into my general emotion bag. So we'll see how that turns out general emotion bag that you tote around with you and like yeah. string over like a knapsack yeah exactly i look like one of those old-timey um kids riding the rails yeah oh 100 percent. and and you're whistling that song from robin hood yes 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 yes, yes. yeah oh perfect mm-hmm. i've got a full picture of you now <laughs> going off into the world from your MPH. Yeah, if, if you guys don't know who I am, you're just listening because you know Shana maybe, or you just found this randomly on the iTunes podcast app or Google We're Play. in the top 100,000. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't really know who, who, what to picture behind my voice, just picture that. Just like a rooster <laughs> with, with a, a little, knapsack. little knapsack. Uh, a little dirty, like a little scruffy um, entering this world. I do know you, and I'm going to picture you <laughs> like that from now on. Perfect. Um, failure, a love story. You have to say, like, failure, a love story. Yes. Welcome back to failure, a love story. And uh, Bryce did a wonderful job Thank wrangling you. and designing. Thank you. And sitting next to the piano man. I'm trying to think if I have any other... You should tell people about Tribeca. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. Hello. So, in my day job, <laughs> just kidding, it's not my day job. Um, in night job, <laughs> night job, my career. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm a writer, um, both of, of history, of narrative, of uh, screenwriting, etc. But also, I primarily throughout undergrad was a journalist. Um, and that is something I got to take up again this past f- week, in the past few weeks, as the Tribeca correspondent for the Bisexual Resource Center. So I was in Tribeca, um, had my press credentials, super fancy, 
and I was essentially just scouring out as much bisexual, pansexual, queer-related content as I could, and um, trying to not write reviews so much as write interviews, conduct interviews and write summaries and get this stuff out to the world just so the bisexual community would know that they have an upcoming representation to pay attention to. Um, that's been a really, really fun thing because it's allowed me to combine a lot of different loves, um, including film appreciation, television, talking to creative people, and then also my own writing. And um, I was able to cover a few shorts, a few documentaries, and then my favorite was the second season premiere, the world premiere of Vita mm. on Stars. Um, so I got to do the red carpet for that. So fancy. So fancy. I wasn't expecting that. I didn't. I had no idea what I was doing. Wow. Um, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> I probably shouldn't let people know that. She's a professional. I'm a professional. But I showed up and I was doing an Instagram takeover for the Bi Resource Center, oh, which cool. y'all, if you don't already know about, should go check it out. They're yeah. really amazing well, place right for now. community resources. They're a really amazing place for news regarding uh, bisexual and pansexual community, health, etc. But I was doing a social media takeover for them and I showed up and I showed up like half an hour early because I was like, great, I just want to be on time to get my tickets. And I thought I was just going to be covering the panel. Turns out I also covered the red carpet. Ah. So I went and took my place and people looked down, you know, the PR agents are moving the stars along on the red carpet and they'll look out for their clients essentially and be like, okay, this is, yeah. Um, Bryce just followed by Resource Center on Instagram. Uh, uh, sorry, gained its wings. But anyway, so there were several news outlets lined up and everyone was dressed real snappy and most people were doing on-camera interview. Uh, so they, they dressed the part. I didn't know this was going to be happening. <laughs> so I got to the end of the carpet. They put down a little sticker that said by Resource Center. And I was like, uh -huh. that's me. <laughs> it's just me and my phone. Yikes. Um, but I tried to gather myself as best I could because the people coming down the carpet were people that I knew and really liked because I'd been watching Vita and I'd been following Tanya Soracho for a while and really admire her. And she's the showrunner for Vita and Roberta Colindres and Michelle Prada and Melissa Barrero and like the stars. It was, I was sweating through my blouse. <laughs> it was just, and I had my backpack on still from oh, school because I was just coming from school. Your big bulky one makes you look like a nerd. I know. I well, yes, I looked like a nerd because I am one. <laughs> and um, so they got down to the end of the carpet, and they were so nice. And they did like a little Instagram interview with ah. me. And Tanya Sriracha was actually super excited that there was a bi resource center. Like she had no idea. Um, but just from that, we got a lot of people coming to the Bi-Resource Center's Twitter and Instagram and, and website and actually learning who we are. And turns out this is a bit of a niche, <laughs> you know. Um, it shouldn't be because by people, people who don't identify strictly as lesbian or gay um, or as straight actually make up the majority of the LGBTQ community. 
And you had a really amazing Instagram story today and yesterday where you kind of highlighted that. Yeah, yeah. That Talking about all of this stuff as occurring pretty much through social media is so strange to me because it feels like it should be specious. Like, it feels like it shouldn't matter that much because it's online mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily in person. But the reach that social media has in order to inform people is massive. Yeah. It's it's huge. If this is a subject that people are interested in and you catch their attention, suddenly there's a whole new world of information opening up to them. And I think that's amazing. I agree. I think that there is a great potential for, I mean, not even potential, there's a great uh, understanding and acknowledgement that social media is a tool for advocacy. Yeah. Which, of course, can like be messy as well. Yes. Like we were saying with call-out culture, yes. cancel culture. Tools are only as good as the hands that wield them. Yes, and only as good as, as those hands and eyes that sifting through information and judging for themselves what seems to be the yeah. most accurate. I think that um, perhaps what is missing a lot in this general explosion of media is a focus on media literacy, mm. and educating people who consume media how to critically uh, assess the media that they take in. Absolutely. Do you have any pointers or like... Um, people that you would go to in order to learn more about media literacy? Oh, no. No. (laughs) Do you? Um, I think, you know, there are a few people on Twitter. I'm trying to think who who I would go to. For me, there are a few, like, trusted sources. Mm -hmm. Um, But in an age where publications are run with investors in mind, it's Mm -hmm. kind of difficult to look at that. I would say NPR, because it's a public broadcasting service, is for the most part what I go to, Um, but even they have biases, Mm -hmm. you know, of course. It's it's impossible to have object, like purely objective journalism. Mm -hmm. But I guess, you know what? What I would say as like a basic rule of thumb is like look at Rather than what is the label of the publication, look at the person's history of writing. Oh, interesting. Um, and check them out. Yeah. Yeah. And it's okay to look at um, news sources on both sides of the aisle. Like that is one way to get a f- very comprehensive mix of what people are saying. Not all of it will be accurate, but at least it'll give you a good breadth. Yeah. And if you have a weird feeling about something that you're reading, it's fine to investigate that. Yeah. You don't have to take any one source at its word. Yes. Do do your own research. Um, and then before we like finish out this conversation, going back to your Instagram story. Oh, yes. I want to say that my favorite thing was the amount of celebrities that you've endorsed and have revealed to me. Because I didn't know that some of them were out as bi. And that was really awesome. Thank you. Yeah. there. I, I mean, I realize... Well, it's just one of those things of, like, if this specific thing doesn't apply to you, maybe you don't know about it because it hasn't been as important in your life, right? Um, and that's not that's not to shame anybody for not knowing anything. Um, but one of the most important things to me throughout my life has been media representation because it came from such a personal level of seeing when I was younger one person have a bi storyline 
And that changed my entire life, like the trajectory of my life, not just a realization and a confirmation of my own sexual orientation. It changed how I could feel about myself and be happy. So that has become so important to me that this is just kind of knowledge that I've accrued, right? Because it's something that is meaningful and came from a very personal place. So I feel like I should read off the list. <laughs> I don't know if we have time for me to. There like, are like fifty. There were so images many. in that. Well, what? Who were some of the people that you were surprised? If you can remember. Uh, Aaliyah Shawkat was one I, yeah. didn't, I did not know. But I knew she had a movie out recently where she was in a relationship with another woman. Duck Butter, yeah. Duck Butter. Um, I mean, there's a lot. Actually, I can't really remember most of the names. Yeah, some, uh, some of my favorites to shout out just, like, on a regular basis, Alan Cumming. Oh, yeah, but he's Love pretty, him. yeah. Yeah, but some people didn't know. They were messaging oh. me, like, what? what? Uh, Raul Esparza. People didn't know. Um, and also... As we've talked about, uh, male bisexuality is especially stigmatized. Mm -hmm. So this makes sense that people didn't really know. Um, People didn't know Jillian Anderson. I did not. That's the other big name. Scully. Scully is bisexual. Had no idea. Yeah. She's spoken out about it several times. Um, Well, many a time because people are like, what's the deal? And she's like, I said it already. I'm bi. What do you you want from me? Um, I really enjoyed also when you brought up all of the political figures that are openly out as bi, and then you had a picture of Noah with <laughs> one of the political figures. Yeah. I thought that was really awesome. Uh, Kristen Cinema is a, I don't know if I'm pronouncing her name right, but she's the first openly bi senator from That's Arizona. Amazing. Yeah. Um, Arizona? Yeah. Good for them. I know, right. right. <laughs> uh, Kate Brown, my heart and soul. She's the governor of Oregon. Ah. Yes. Your future home. My future home. This is why I'm moving to Oregon, because <laughs> Kate Brown has made it a better place. Um, yeah, our friend Noah, who's going to be a, a future lawmaker mm-hmm. and law defender and That's interpreter. True. He has he had a picture with her, so yeah. that was wonderful. Um, Another yeah. one of my celebrities. Noah, that's true, yeah. Shout out Noah. I don't think he listens. No. <laughs> we're we're going to have to tell him I'm to suing him. This. That's, that's his final. Yeah. Noah, when you hear this, text me. And I'll and chew you out for not listening yeah. to anything else. And let me let let this Narcissist. be your, um, You've been served. I'm suing you for not <laughs> listening to the podcast. You've been served. Um, but yeah, no, there are, I mean, it makes sense since, again, the majority of LGBTQ people are bisexual, that there would be so many bisexual people in all areas, <laughs> all careers. Um, but again... It also makes sense that if this was not something that you were really invested in, that you would know about. So I'm very happy for the power of social media uh, giving me such a reach that I should not have (laughs) on any other day. But on this day, it was good. That's a lot of matter keeping. Yes, it was. We probably need to just spin through this episode, but that's okay. Oh, gosh. All right. Welcome to Secrets and Guys. Oh, secrets and gays. <laughs> no, that's not true. Got a secret. Can you keep it? Uh, this one you'll <laughs> say. Better lock it in your pocket. Taking this one to the grave. No, this one is safe. 
Cause two can't keep a secret And one of them is said <gasps> Holly Marie Combs Holly Marie Combs is on <gasps> Taylor Lawrence ah! <laughs> Blew out the speakers <laughs> Oh sorry 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 No sorry. it's okay Holly Marie Combs is on Pretty Little I Liars. forgot about that. She plays Ella. And every time I watched her on Pretty Little Liars, I was like, oh, my God, how did I not know I was queer? <laughs> You're so hot. And I feel really bad about that. <laughs> anyway. She's okay. a mom in Pretty Little Liars. She is. Um, and she doesn't deserve anything that happens around her or to her. Yeah. I mean, all those characters pretty fucked up. Much I mean, like up. this episode. Yes. So, so let's get into it. Secrets and Guys, it aired February 17th, 1999. It was directed by James A. Cotner, and it was written by Constance Burge and Cheryl <gasps> J. Anderson. Well, the teleplay was, and then the story was by um, Constance, Cheryl, and Brad. Brad. Kern. Brad who Kern. Would, who would uh, eventually take over as the exec mm. producer and showrunner. Okay. So we burst in. There, are, there was a lot happening in these f- first few minutes. Really? I've yeah. Okay. I'm trying to remember. It's been a, it's been quite, quite some time. Oh, since you watched it. Yeah. Lucky for us, I watched it this morning. Oh, okay. Um, she was ready. So, uh, it's it's in in the house. It's mm-hmm. in the living room. A dad is going to bring his son, like some mac and cheese. Oh, yes. And then, shablamo. Uh, two masked men burst in. Yes, yes. Another one of those of those uh, signature traumatic experiences. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that this show likes to open with. This kid is going through a lot this S- episode. So it's a home invasion and then a kidnapping. Yeah, and they're like, "Don't go to the police, or we'll kill him." But if you if you don't go to the police, we'll return him in a bit. It's fine. And the dad's like, no. And then they're like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they knock him out. And they take the kid named Max. Okay. Then we cut to the manor. Yeah. And they're Mary Poppinsing the attic. Yes. Spring cleaning. And literally, I was like, why is Spoonful of Sugar not playing right now? <laughs> also, 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 this episode is fine um, overall, I believe. But I also realized it's very indicative of my own psychological state um, because there's so much Mary Poppins thing going on. Oh. <laughs> and Prue has to face this whole question of, like, maternity and maternal instincts. Uh-huh. And I was like, yikes, I am Prue. Prue is me. Mary Poppins doesn't want kids. But has maternal instincts. But has maternal instincts. There's a lot to talk about in this. Anyway, they're Mary Poppins in the attic. Um, And Phoebe's like, I love cleaning. By that I mean painting my fingernails and toenails. (laughs) And Prue's like, I am the only one doing anything useful around here. Well, I guess that's my role in a nutshell. Um, Yeah, it was really, it was kind of uh, pleasant for me to watch. Just seeing them tidy up, doing some very mundane tasks. I enjoy that. It was cute. There's yeah. some cute time. It's very spent slice together. of life, but yeah. with and they, a little twist. They find Phoebe's diaries. Yeah. Where she kept all her secrets. Mm-hmm. And this is where we learn that Phoebe can't keep a secret. Nope. Which will be important in this episode. Secrets. Secrets. We get a call back to the birthday the birthday party, the surprise yeah, yeah, birthday yeah. party. Earlier this season. Yeah. Uh, and then there's the return of the Ouija board. The Ouija. 
board. Mm-hmm. Yeehaw. It starts moving. Uh, oh. Oh, no. Well, no, no, no. Wait, first, first, we go back to where Max has been kidnapped. Oh. Bundled away to a mysterious warehouse. Yes. And he is left alone. And the two kidnappers say that this kid is a lotto ticket. Mm. We don't know why. And so then, when they leave him alone, he, he's, uh, he starts rocking back and forth. And yeah. then, and the, then Ouija the Ouija board, board starts moving and it spells out, help me? Help Max. Help Max, yes. And so now the sisters have a mission, figure out who's Max and how to help him. And as Piper says, oh no, not again. <laughs> and then credits. Credits. Uh, was Daryl always in the credits? Because I feel like this is the first time I realized he was featured. He's He's been in the credits before. Oh, okay. Maybe they've gone back and forth with it, mm. but I think he's been in. He's not really been in a lot of episodes. No, he hasn't. I feel like they've really underutilized him. Indeed. But also, Andy's not been. I feel like he's been underutilized recently. Well, uh, he's, he's pretty much only on the same trajectory every episode of like, Prue's got a secret and I gotta figure it out. Mm, yeah, got a secret. Kind of Can a you keep it? This one's safe. Okay. But not from uh, Holly Marie Cole. <laughs> so we come back to San Francisco. Yes. With a heavy alt rock. Yes. <laughs> the wharf, boats, Alcatraz, <laughs> trolley. You, listener, are returning to this charmed world. We are returning as well to San Francisco. And so is little Leo. Yeah. Leo. As as we're trying to figure out who Max is, what help Max means, we get a ding a dongy at the door. Yes, the doorbell rings. <laughs> yes. And it's Leo, he's back. Leo <laughs> And there's like immediate kisses for him, um, from Piper. I don't think it's immediate enough. Because <laughs> she comes to the door and lets him in and she's like, Leo, how you been? And they hug. And then eventually, <laughs> when she has to leave for Quake, right. that's when they kiss. And I was like, this is no great love story. They should be making out immediately. I, I also just maybe f- have forgotten what they left off on. Like, what was their stage of relationship at? Were they like, okay, well, let's just not be together? No, no. Leo was just like, I have to go away for a bit. Oh, so it was put on hold. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I thought maybe they had broken up. No, they didn't. They didn't break up. On the contrary, they are still together. Au contraire. Au contraire. And Phoebe, who once was fighting for Leo's affections, is now Piper's biggest cheerleader. Yeah. Which is very sweet. How the turntables? A lot of that in this episode. <laughs> a lot of turntables, as Michael Scott would say. So. Yes. Carry so on. So Piper, although she wants to stay and make out with Leo, and who wouldn't? Um, many people, I'm sure, but, like, <laughs> she wants to stay and make out with Leo. She has to go to Quake because there's a new executive chef, and he's the opposite of the bee's knees. He is the wasp's ass. <laughs> Pain in the butt. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so she's got to go and deal with this guy, uh, and then, meanwhile, Prue decides that she's going to take on the mystery of Max. Yes. So they all... Separate Phoebe to show Leo what he can the work on around the house as a handyman. I Prue guess he comes back and immediately they put him right to work. Well, exactly. 
Phoebe's like, oh, are you back for any specific <laughs> reason? Or do you want to change the light bulbs on the chandelier? <laughs> I hope it's the latter. Because <laughs> we need that. They need changing. Um, We're very short people. Yes. <laughs> this very tall house. <laughs> so Prue is off to talk to Andy. Long shot, but she's trying. Yes. She's going to get information about Max from the station. Yes. And Piper is off to deal with her pain in the butt executive chef. Mm-hmm. And so it leads, Phoebe leaves and Phoebe and Leo, Leo at the house. in the house. Uh, but first, okay, station. What happens at the station? Precinct comedy gold. <laughs> <laughs> There's just this like awkward little thing of Prue being like, is this guy named Max missing? And he's like, why would you? Well, I had a dream that we had a spirit <laughs> board and it spelled out help Max. And I came all the way down <laughs> to this precinct because that seemed good enough to go off of for me. I, there's, that's just so unrealistic. <laughs> Andy literally says the line, let me get this straight. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just saying, if y'all had listened to our fan fiction, <laughs> this would not have been a problem. Well, uh, so he typed in the word Max. I feel like that's, <laughs> someone's just like, okay, I'll search Max, <laughs> and then they just turn to the computer and pretend to type M A X. Enter. Yeah. Oh, nothing came up. Yeah, that's exactly what happens. Um, so nothing comes up, and Prue's like, "Well, all right," and Andy's like, "Well, all right," <laughs> and there's a little awkward friction, and they kind of look at each other and kind of laugh a little bit, and I'm like, "You just make out, <laughs> y'all, make out." Prue, tell them the truth. Yeah. You've backpedaled so many times on this. You don't have to tell them the truth and make out. Alas, they do not. So Prue leaves. Foiled again. Okay. So she leaves and we go instead to the restaurant. Quake. Quake, where we learn exactly who Harry is. An asshole. Harry is the executive chef, the new one, and he's wearing shorts. I did so uh, in lieu of our episode two weeks ago. I did a whole Instagram story where I broke down how you could tell that Harry is a chef bro. And I pointed out the shorts as key evidence. Absolutely. He was wearing like board shorts or something board like that. Board shorts and Crocs. He was wearing Crocs? Yeah. Oh. It looked like Crocs. I don't oh. Know. He's, a, he's enough of an annoyance that I'm just going to say that they're Crocs. Yeah, he's, he's like the Crocs of people. He's a Croc of shit. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> My language. <laughs> okay, so um, Piper's trying to, like, handle his prissiness. He's very like, we don't need these knives. I want my knives. My knives for my so special I've hands. For <laughs> <laughs> so I've thrown out your perfectly good knives into the trash, and also I've changed the menu, and I've thrown out the old menus, except he doesn't say it in the way that I usually do my accent. He does, like, yeah, wow. You're much prettier than I thought you were from hearing you over oh the phone. Oh, yeah, that was really gross. You're attractive and feisty. Wow, I'm a giant <laughs> dick. <laughs> like <laughs> also, I make crab cakes. No, no, no. Crab ravioli. Oh, I didn't realize. Crab ravioli. Uh, it's awful. And uh, in this instance, yet again, Piper is me. I am Piper. Piper is me. She fucking freezes him, and she goes, nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because she got, she got so uh, worked up over him that she, she said she would fire him, and he does this thing that's like, 
you can't fire me. You're just the manager, and I'm the executive chef. So she freezes him out of spite and takes out the knives from the trash and does this little, like, yeah, <laughs> and just stalks away. <laughs> Back to the man- manor. Back to the manor, where we've got a nice little diametric of a complete and utter jerk man versus a literal <laughs> angel. Um, our little cute floating angel. Leo! So Leo is dutifully attending to his handyman chores. That's the funniest thing about this is, like, the reveal comes in that he is actually <laughs> fixing the chandelier. He's just floating. Yes. To so do so. If you haven't seen the episode, turn off your ears now. Okay, everyone who's still left. I mean, we assume you've seen the episode. The insiders. Okay, yeah. So it's revealed that Leo's a floater. <laughs> <laughs> Big reveal. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. He's just a common street urchin, you know, just going from place to place. He's a, he's a nomad. He's a no-man. Oh. He's a no-man, no-man. Um, and uh, Phoebe comes downstairs to find him, and this, too, is comedy gold. And he falls from the, the ceiling from the chandelier, and she freaks out. She's like, you're a you're warlock. You're, Frick! I knew it. I knew you were too good to be true. I knew. I knew there had to be something. He's like, no, no, no. What do you mean a warlock? No, no, stop that. And uh, Alyssa Milano's facial expressions in this should get an Emmy. <laughs> I'm just saying. So, what is Leo? That's the question that you get. A highlighter. Oh. <laughs> Excuse me. We'll answer that question soon. But first. We have to go back to Max and figure out what's going on in his life. It's a it's a rough life. It's a pretty hard life. Yep, here's a dead mom trope again. Yeah, so he's in the back of a car. Uh, the two kidnappers are trying to get him to open up a um, like a like a special security system that guards some kind of like technology company. Some microchips. Yes, microchips. And um, they're like, just, okay, here is the schematics for the lock mechanism. Just, you know, move it around and uh, just do this one task and nobody gets hurt, especially your dad. Um, and so he does it. And that's when we learn that Max has telekinesis. Yes. If we didn't already know from the Ouija board, now we certainly yes, know. Yes, now we certainly know. He's telekinetic. And I'm telepathetic. <laughs> so one of the thieves enters the... Uh, the microchip factory to see if it's like indeed unlocked and it is unfortunately a security guard is doing his rounds at that exact moment and comes by to see the thief exiting what was supposed to be a locked and secured facility and then instead of just like running the thief shoots him point blank our first casualty of the of the episode in cold blood i know it was kind of traumatic and max starts screaming i start screaming <laughs> what a moment everybody started screaming and people are like, Bryce, what's wrong? And, and she was like, the, the telekinesis kid. And they're like, Bryce, are you okay? And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. I meant in my dream. Where's <laughs> uh, this kid? Yeah. Um, yeah. Casual death, though. So they shot him dead. Unexpected. So back in the manor, um, Leo is explaining that he is a white lighter. A white lighter. White uh, lighter. So Guardian angel, Guardian <laughs> angels, <laughs> Newark angel, Laguardian uh, angel. They are JFK <laughs> angel. Yes. yes, they're messengers, guides, and they're also tea cozies. <laughs> <laughs> he like 
if Phoebe is sitting there with her tea and he goes, oh, do you need that warmed up? And she's like, uh, I guess. And he just like pinches the rim of yeah. the teacup and suddenly it's steaming again. Yeah, I don't understand. <laughs> I mean, it's my only, it's my first introduction, my f- only episode that I've seen with white lighters. But essentially they're supposed to be like, um, like these powerful beings that help out witches, like good witches, which... It's weird to me because they're so powerful. Yeah, we're expanding the universe a bit. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how much I should say, but just that they, they, uh, the concept of white lighters doesn't go away. This isn't like a demon of the week. Okay. Yeah, and I mean, I, I expected so because I don't think that Leo's going to go away for good either. We don't know. We this don't know. This could be his last episode. Okay, so... <laughs> So Leo uh, spills why he's back in town. Um, I was sent by the grammar police. <laughs> when, when Phoebe's like, who? And he's like, whom? I think you mean whom? <laughs> <laughs> um, turns out that Max, our child of the episode, is a witch. A witch. A witch. I love it. But he's so new to his powers, and he's uh, being kidnapped. And I, I'm really glad to see that they're bringing on um, a male witch. Yeah. They're expanding the definition of who can be a witch. Yeah. I and think of wonderful. it, I relate it to our experience in a sorority that was a co-ed sorority, where there were um, sisters who were not women. Yeah, that was wonderful. Yeah. So it's a sorority of witches, but sorority is co-ed. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Did you just tell everyone we were in a sorority? I'm so sorry. <laughs> secrets <laughs> out. Secrets and guys. Oh, secrets. Got a secret. Can't Couldn't keep it. <laughs> Can't keep it. See you in the grave. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so okay. essentially Leo, yes. Leo was sent to protect... Max mm-hmm. by making sure that Prue got Max's message. Yes. And he says, but I have to leave. I have to break up with Piper and I don't want to hurt Piper because I love her, but white lighters and witches can never be together. Oh. It's so Very cliche. Sad. Romeo and Juliet. Yep. Star-crossed lovers in which one of the lovers is a star <laughs> in the sky. Yeah. The other is cute as heck <laughs> and I don't want to hurt her um, yeah so Phoebe's like oh boy yep Uh-oh. she can't keep a secret this is the worst of all timelines <laughs> so yeah so we come back to Prue Prue at Buckland yes and Andy comes to visit her because turns out there is a Max they got hit on Max uh, it's a child, and he's, like, explaining to her the details about how there's a kid that they picked, or they, like, had identified some child through the security cameras at this microchip factory, and they think it's a guy named Max, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, because and mean- Max yes. had broken into an arcade. Yeah, so they were, they had corroborated the evidence from the uh, archive, video archives at the arcade. New York's finest. <laughs> Sorry, wait. San Francisco's finest. Dun, dun. Uh, and while he's telling her all this very informative knowledge she's getting another message from the spirit board that she keeps you know hanging out right by her desk at buckland and she's doing this um discreet scribbling down of the message it's very um 
I feel like, you know those old decoder rings and cereals where you, like, <laughs> yeah. piece together the message piece by piece? I feel like that's what she was doing. That's exactly what it was. Um, and Andy's suspicious yeah, of that. Because she's, she's not listening, and he just feels unheard. <laughs> Poor Andy. Um, I, and he asks her, he's like, what are, you, what are you writing? She's like, I'm not writing, I'm doodling. Clearly <laughs> writing letters. <laughs> I, I would have been like, I'm taking notes on what you're telling me. That, that would have been so smart. Not that hard. It's what she's doing. Come on, pro. Come on. But anyway. <sighs> okay, so um, she has another message. What was the message? I can't remember. Uh, kidnapped auto shop. Yes. So she knows that Max is kidnapped. Right. And at an auto shop. Yes. Maybe. And she knows more about who Max is because of the um, info that Trudeau has given her. Yeah. So, so she's off. Yes. So she knows to visit someone, a Mr. Franklin, father of Max. Yeah. And Andy says, I'm going to find out your secret, Prue. And Prue's like, yeah, right. This one is safe. Got to lock it in my pocket. <laughs> Even though, in our fan fiction, this would not have even been an issue. No. This is tiresome. This is truly tiresome, I think, at this point. This, like, I'm going to find out. Because he keeps saying it and not doing anything. Yeah. <sighs> Just make out. <laughs> okay, so go. So Prue goes to visit Mr. Franklin. Um, and at first he won't open the door, but then she uses her magics and lifts up the photo frame of him and his family. And uh, that's when he knows that she is like Max. And in between this, this is really inconsequential, but I wanted to let everyone know what my note for this scene was when sure. we're back at Quake. Bitch ravioli! <laughs> <laughs> Take your stupid bitch ravioli and get the heck out of my kitchen. I don't even remember that. It's, it's not exactly like that. Um, but Piper does dump a whole thing of ravioli into the trash to let her in. Yes. And now we're back at Quake. Uh, Leo and Phoebe are having a little tete-a-tete, and they're trying to figure out how they're going to tell Piper that he's breaking up with her because he is an office supply. Yes, and Phoebe is the girl brain interpreter <laughs> in everything he's trying to say. And he practices saying, like, how he's going to say he has to mm-hmm. leave. And Phoebe's like, no, that's code for you have a wife and four <laughs> children. No, that's code for you're gay. She doesn't say that, but, like, it's... Yeah, the idea, like, realm. everything he says is being around the bush, and it's going to be taken the wrong way. Exactly. And uh, I want to ask, how many times has Phoebe been broken up with? Because it seems like a lot. Yeah. And... To that, I say, how dare you, faceless men, for having broken up with Phoebe? Because she's perfect. They do seem like shitty men in her life that she's had experience with. Yeah. How dare you, faceless men, for even approaching Phoebe in any way? Stay away, is what I would like to Mm -hmm. say. Got to put a filter on that. Yeah. All around her little bubble. Breaking up is really hard to do. Yes. You should watch that new movie with Gino Rodriguez. I should. What's that song? Got a secret. No. Breaking up is never easy, I know, but you have... Oh! Oh, my God. What? And the immortal words of ABBA. (laughs) Breaking up is never easy, I know, but 
I have to go. And maybe he should have just said that. Maybe. But then it would have revealed that he's a mass murderer and he's got three skeletons in the basement that he's got to get rid of. Knowing me, knowing you, (laughs) it's the best he can do. (laughs) Okay. um, So they're having that conversation. Meanwhile, Prue's hot on the trail. Yes, at the Franklins on their couch. At the Franklins. And uh, essentially, Mr. Franklin is telling her, like, can't go to the police. I'm trapped in this situation. Um, And that Max's mother died with without having left him prepared to know that he was a male witch. Yeah. It was a very complex family situation where the father felt perhaps a little betrayed. One, because his wife died and he might be feeling as if he got left behind. And two, because she laid this big knowledge, this big reveal on him that he hadn't known before about her and about their son. And now he has to raise his son on their own without understanding how to handle this new revelation. Yeah, and that's really tough. That's like, that is that's really tough. so complicated. And Prue's sitting there trying to take it all in. Yeah. She's like, I'm I'm not here to psychologize. I'm just here to get your son back. Yep. And he's like, do you have kids? She's like, no. Well, how do you know how it feels? And Prue's like, ah, ouch. But also, I just want to help you get your son right. back. Oh, I think we like totally skipped over one of the underlying themes of this sh- of this episode. Yes, we did. So in the beginning when they're cleaning up the closet, Prue's like, you can just throw away all of my old toys because I'm never going to use them. And, and the, her sister's like, what? The toys are for like when we have kids and we want to pass them on. And Prue's like, no, I'm not going to have kids. Yeah. And I take issue with how this storyline plays out. Indeed. But we'll get to that later. Prue has a different answer than perhaps other people will have. Yeah. Um, okay. So Prue does not know what to say to that. But she knows that she's going to help Mr. Franklin and she's going to help Max. Yeah, and she says, do you know anything about an auto shop? And he says, well, uh, okay, Max's friend's older brother works at an auto shop in Oakland. Yes, Max's friend, who he, Max had um, rigged the video, the arcade with. Yeah. Okay, so um, the pieces of the puzzle are falling into place. Meanwhile, back at Quake. Stopping them in place. <laughs> yes. Back at Quake, Leo is working himself up to tell Piper the truth, um, and she comes out of the kitchen at last to talk to him. And what does he say? This is actually after a really long scene. Oh, what happened before that? Um, boop, 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 boop. So they go to find uh, Max, and they find him at the warehouse. Oh. Crew does. This is after that? Yep. Okay. I know. There's there's a lot in between this. It's a weird order of things. <laughs> um, so they find him, uh, and it's only Prue. And Prue's like, I'm going to get you out of here. And one guy runs in, and she telekineses them yes. into the wall. And then the other guy telekineses him into the wall. And as she is trying to help Max, and Max is like, who the heck are you? And she's like, I'm, I'm the person you contacted via Ouija. <laughs> it's like, what's, what's that? That's an old people thing. Um, anyway, as she's trying to explain to him, she gets hit over the head. Yeah, and so now she's been adult-napped. <laughs> Kidnapped and adult-napped. What a pair. And so uh, as she wakes up, 
Um, she has been handcuffed, wire, right. or not wire, what's it called? Zip tied. She's been zip tied, and Max has been rigged with a plastic explosive. Yes. So she can't try any silly business. So the kidnappers want to carry out a bank robbery, and they want to use Max to do it, and they're going to blackmail Prue into a co- being their accomplice. Because if she doesn't cooperate, they're going to blow up Max. Yeah, which is terrible. I know. It's kind of like a very scary episode in terms of like realizing how close Prue came to being Myrtle Dirtled. Yeah, and a kid, too. I know. Because literally while she was unconscious, or maybe not while, but like there's a, there's a, a side where the kidnappers are saying like the only reason she's alive is because we think she might be useful for this or that reason. Yeah, and I, I will say that despite the frenetic pace of this episode kind of the all overness of it um very high highs very low lows it does include some of my favorite tropes such as the mentor mentee relationship Mm, mm -hmm. um, between max and prue especially with magic i think that's really fun to watch someone like i'm not the only one and you're someone who actually knows what to do with her powers wow um, and then also there's a, a really great henchman r- <laughs> trope. The, uh, gee, I don't know, boss. <laughs> it's very present. Um, and then also there's an Ocean's Eleven plot. Yes, the bank robbery. Good stuff. So much. I love Ocean's Eleven. Perhaps too much, <laughs> but all good things. Yes, okay. So now we go back to Quake. Uh, no. First, no, there's more. There's a long talk that Max and Prue have in which Max is like, I hate this. I don't want to be like uh, this. I'm yes, a freak. Yes. And my dad hates me for it. And Prue's like, no, 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 bud. This is a gift. This is just an ability. It's a wonderful thing that you have. And your dad really loves you. He just doesn't know how to cope yet with the loss of your mom and with your new powers. So you got to give them time. And also, there's a name for what we are. We're witches. Witches. Which is a huge turnaround for Prue, accepting what she has as a gift and, mm-hmm. and passing that message on to a younger, far more vulnerable and insecure person. Yeah. It really shows evolution, character arc. It really does. And what I am most bothered by in this is that this is a huge character uh, evolution, as you said, development over 14 episodes. But I'm skipping ahead a little bit. At the end, when Prue says she decides she wants to keep toys because she does want kids, that makes the evolution limited to one episode of the decision, not the decision to treat magic as a gift, but to treat motherhood as a potential. So I think it's it's making her acceptance of herself far less about herself and more about wanting a family and wanting kids. Hmm. So I think it, in some ways, devalues this entire arc. And she has a very sudden change around in the span of 40 minutes. Oh, okay. I see, I see. So the development in this episode where she decides that she wants to be a mother almost negates the development in the season. I think so. I think it makes her season development less important than the decision that she does want to be a mother. Because it's underplayed in this episode as compared to the second decision of being a mother. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah, okay. I hadn't thought about that. I do see that. 
But that's one man's opinion. But we have also been working up to this idea that Prue is more accepting now of her powers. Yeah. So it's not like this is the big reveal of like, wow, she really does care. No, it's not a big reveal. It's much more of a slow, like, build. Mm -hmm. Um, Just the reveal of, wow, I do want to be a mother. That's that's. Yeah, it was more highlighted within this episode. I agree. It was more white lightered. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so now we go to Quake. Now we go to Quake. Now we go to Quake. Okay. Uh, Leo fails his mission. Boo. He couldn't tell Piper the truth. Piper came storming out, and he just lied. He's a chicken. He's a big old bok bok. Bok choy. Mm. And, and then Phoebe says, I can't find proof. <gasps> oh, no. Okay. So... Two failures. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm missing a lot of stuff in my notes. Um, okay, all I have next is that we're back in the station of Andy and Daryl. Yes, Daryl! Daryl's back. The squad room really has terrible lighting. Yes. Their eyes, they're going to need glasses. <laughs> yeah, but you, you get that hard-boiled detective squint. Yeah, and so they call... No, they pick up the phone because Phoebe is calling now from the house. They went back to the manor and is saying, hey... Andy, did Prue come to visit you? And where is she now? Because we can't find her. And he's like, what do you mean? Dun dun. Dun dun. Um, yes. And Leo's in the background on the couch. And he's like, I can't, I can't connect with them telepathically. <laughs> Something's really wrong. Oh, yeah. Um, also, I have that Harry quit. Yep. Hmm. I didn't uh, take very good notes. <laughs> so they hang up the phone. And then Piper comes back in. And the Ouija board is still out? No. No. Piper comes back into the manor where Phoebe and Leo are, and she goes, what? What's going on? Um, because she heard overheard part of their conversation about Leo and, and Prue saving Max. She goes, save? What? Save? And Phoebe has some very quick thinking. She's like, the 49ers <laughs> saved the game San Francisco. Whoa, go San Francisco. Yeah. We not Oakland, because that, that would have been the Raiders. Yes, you're correct. Yes. Those and are teams. Yep. And Piper's like, okay, that seems odd. Well, anyway, Harry quit. <laughs> um, and then Leo finally does the breaking up. Yeah. Um, the and as, as they're breaking Yes. As they're breaking up, as he starts to really go into it, she goes, uh, no, freezes him. <laughs> <laughs> it goes, Phoebe. Oh, yeah. She calls in her sister and is like, is he about to break up with me? And Phoebe, to her credit, keeps a secret. Yeah. She says, you're going to have to ask him. Scuttles away. <laughs> scuttle, scuttle. <laughs> My favorite line from this uh, breakup scene is when we learn that Leo is geographically undesirable. Yeah. That was a good way to <laughs> play it off. Uh, yeah. You said you live really far away, and I don't know where that is, but it seems bad. So it's like when you're on Tinder and you reduce the mileage so you don't get anyone from New Jersey. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Leo lives in New Jersey. Geographically undesirable. Geographically undesirable. Or if you're in L.A., um, and I was in Westwood, uh, Leo lives in Echo <laughs> or lives in... Pasadena. Uh, Pasadena, yeah, exactly. Too far. Too far. That's long distance. Geographically undesirable. So anyway, um, she 
unfreezes him, lets him do his thing, and she handles it like a champ. She does. I wonder what stage of grief this is. Denial? Perhaps denial of her own emotional investment. Yeah. Yeah. She tries to cut it out immediately, the emotional tumor. She's like, okay, no pain. Kachink! And there it goes, and so goes Leo. Okay, so now we go back to this really, really intense uh, um, bank robbery scene. Yeah, gobbledygook robbing the joint. But first, we got to do some more murder. Yeah. Yeah. So Mr. Franklin comes to save Max, and they just shoot him. Yeah, and it was supposed to be like a scene of like, oh my God, Mr. Franklin, he's shown how much he cares about Max. Now Max knows. Uh, And then the kidnappers bundle Max and Prue into the car, and then they just shoot the dad, and then they drive off, and I'm like, whoa. Yeah. They just leave him there behind in the garage. It just feels like this is not very well thought out. Yeah. On the the part of the kidnappers and the bank robbers. Because the entire time... That's true. Where are your other nine? (laughs) That's what went wrong. The entire time, as they're, like, doing the bank thing, I'm just, like, thinking about Max returning to no father, no mother, no family. It was a lot. It's awful. You know what I was thinking? Other than, wow, this is devastating. What? Uh, Shannon Doherty is so short. (laughs) Oh, Yeah. She's, like, shorter than Max in this scene. Um, Is there anything important that happens while they undo the robbery? Uh, I don't don't think so, really. This was not the most interesting part of the episode to me. All right, so we'll just give it to you straight. They undid the robbery. They locked the robbers within the own vault. Uh, They saved all the guards, and then they hustled back to the garage to see what came of the dad. Yes, exactly. And in the meantime... In the meantime, all of this saving that Prue and Max do for each other, for themselves, Leo comes to Mr. Franklin's rescue. Yeah. He brings him back from the dead, essentially. And I'm just like, that's why I don't understand the concept of the white lighter. You can't just do that. Yeah. Wouldn't you think that you'd be able, like, if you're put in place as some sort of prevention measure, mm-hmm. but you have to have the witches help themselves, mm-hmm. shouldn't you not have this power? Yeah. But if we're going to disregard everything he said about, like, you have to do it for yourself yeah. and just say that he's a guardian angel, then that makes sense. I guess so. It just feels like there's so much manipulation of maybe not fate, but of, like, the circumstances beyond the actual human and witch actors. Absolutely. The stakes are not as high yeah. when you have a player like this. And th- yeah, and I don't understand that purpose of the white lighter then. Like, they feel like they should just be omniscient beings who don't interfere, but they're interfering. Yeah. And I, I feel as though perhaps Leo's position as more of like a foot soldier uh-huh. may come into play a little bit more, and also his complication with being involved with Piper. Uh-huh actually makes this something that like maybe he's not strictly going by the rules ah but we don't know to be continued tbc so just as leo heals mr franklin and says no it's not time to be with your wife it's time to be with your son Mm -hmm. the van comes back transporting prue and max and they find that mr franklin is totally fine not even a little blood spot no leo does laundry too <laughs> he's dry cleaning oh what my god his powers we just he's a tide spot cleaner 
Spotlighter. You're right. A spotlighter. Tide lighters. Tide lighters. That's what they're they're called. That aren't they? Tide pen. Tide pen. Leo's a tide pen. He's a tide. Uh, okay. Good. Tide pen in the shape of a, <laughs> a moderately handsome man. Um, and Prue is like flabbergasted, which she should be. Yeah. And thankfully, Max did not see his dad get shot. Yeah, that's true. So she hit him. She hit his eyes. Close his eyes. Yeah. So he is just relieved to be back with his dad. And his dad declares his love and says, you know what? Everything's a miracle. And I think that you need to come see something. And Prue, you need to come with us oh, as well. Oh, yeah. So this was very cathartic. Yeah. They go to the grave of the mom. Yeah, cemetery as it's dawn. And this actually, first time I'm ever, ever going to say this, this was a beautiful shot of San Francisco. Oh. <laughs> they had... A, a shot we hadn't really seen before mm-hmm. of of the sun just kind of breaking yeah. over the city and then this soft kind of weak light as you go to the cemetery and they come to the, the mom's grave. I do really like that lighting. It feels new. Yeah. So they go to the grave and Mr. Franklin tells Max where his head had been for the past couple of months and explains to him, like, I love you. I was just going through so much and I'm going to be there for you now. Yeah. Um, and it was nice. It was nice. I agree. There was a... Uh, in this episode, there are a few different ways of, like, processing grief. Mm-hmm. With uh, this whole Franklin story with the mom and with the dad almost having died, too. Mm-hmm. Then also with Prue, who is, I think, kind of... In some ways, at the very beginning, she says, I don't want to bring a child into this world. Mm-hmm. Like, just that's full of so much danger. And I think she has a fear that she would die early, too. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. Because her mom died early, and she knows the dangers, the supernatural dangers. So she's kind of, she's done her own grieving Mm -hmm. for the child that she thinks she's never going to have, it feels like. I see. And then Piper also has to do some grieving. Leo and Piper both do for their relationship. Yes. But they handle it in different ways. Anyway. Okay. Um, yeah. Interesting. Uh, and I feel maybe not all well done uh, confrontations with yeah. emotional conflict in this episode. Um, yeah. I think not, not, well, not unwell done, but just like some of them are less. They're, they're not fully focused. developed. Yes. They're not fully developed. They're just hints. This okay. is me reaching. Yeah. I'm reaching. No, but it's good. I like it. But I enjoy when we do a little bit more diving and pulling out something that might not necessarily be in the story because that means that we're giving it an interpretation that really shows how something, what it means to us. Yeah, truly. So let us know. What does it mean to you? Okay. So okay. Uh, Phoebe, they're back in the attic and they're doing some more cleaning up. And Phoebe finally could not keep it in her pocket. She could not lock it. She spells the secret. She spills the beans. The beans, the cats are Leo, out of the bag. Leo didn't want to break up with you. He's actually a white lighter, which is kind of guardian angel, and he had to go back to heaven, I think. I'm not sure, but he had to go, and it would be really bad if you were together, and I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Piper. And Piper and Prue just kind of laugh. Yeah. Because they don't believe her at all. They think it's just so far-fetched. And she does do a lot of, like, different secret spilling. Like, not just who um, Leo is, but also the fact that white lighters aren't supposed to be witches, and also, like, I don't know. It just feels like not all of them were her secrets to tell. 
Yeah. They, none of them were. <laughs> Thankfully, she's not believed. Yes. Uh, okay. So that, I guess, I mean, it's a kind of a unfulfilling ending. Yeah. And then Prue says, actually, wait, I want to keep these. I don't want to donate all of it to the Salvation yes. Army. And I said, good, don't donate any of it to the Salvation Army because they're anti-gay. This is true. Um, um, goodwill. Yeah, goodwill. Um, but anyway, she's, she has a change of heart from the beginning of the episode where she wants children now and she wants to keep those toys for her future children. And in my mind, I was like, you know, just because you had like a heart to heart with a child, that's there's so much more to motherhood than that. There is so much more to motherhood. And I really think that it could this could have been mentor, mentee more than maternal, mm-hmm. but because his mom was dead. Yeah. She was slotted into that position because of her gender. And she, he did say at one point, like, I wish you were my mom. Yeah. And I really, I feel like maybe this could have opened her up to possibilities, but she gives a very firm decision of actually, I'm going to be a mom. Yeah. Which is odd to me. Um, but I mean, I'm s- good for her if she wants to make yeah. that decision. Oh, sure, sure. I think it's it's tough for me to say good for her for any of these choices because I'm like, well, there are also people writing her, you know. That's true. Yeah, this, yeah, yeah. This, was not, this was not an autonomous decision. You're correct. Um, this is a fictional television show we are talking about for an what? hour. <laughs> what? It's a what? Right. Um, yeah, good for anyone who wants to be a mom, obviously. Yes, yes. Like, that is what I mean to say. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't go against that. Um, I just think there's a very particular pressure mm. for anyone who says they don't want to be a mother mm-hmm. to be told there's something wrong with them. Yeah. And that I would have liked to see more of an exploration of why she doesn't want to be a mother rather than a complete overturn of this conviction yeah. in one episode. Yeah. Um, because I think it's important to hear the voices of people who are kind of drowned out as soon as they say anything approaching I don't want kids Mm -hmm. suddenly there are accusations rather than asking for well what's your story yeah or anything else about you (laughs) I think that if they had given more space for her to have talked about her story we would have recognized more roles for women beyond just motherhood yeah I would that's that is exactly what I would say and you said it much more concisely thank you Bryce you said it beautifully as well hell fucking yeah (laughs) so the great words of Drake and Lil Wayne hell hell yeah fucking right (laughs) (laughs) so uh that brings our episode recap to a close it's been a great pleasure returning after a month of radio silence podcast silence (laughs) (laughs) um thank you so so much for listening yes uh there was no demon death here. No. There were just police coming to arrest the baddies. Yep. Um, so we can't do a Jeremy. Yeah. Agreed. Is there anything that you would take from this episode? Any final aphorism? Hmm. Do you have one? Yes. For this episode, I would say not beating around the bush is a wonderful thing to do. But that doesn't mean you have to completely 
circumvent several necessary steps for your emotional development. It's mm. a really good one. So give yourself time. And something I didn't mention, but at Tribeca, I was able to meet up with our amazing producer, <laughs> yes, indeed. Cody Corral of Earbud Media. They're a wow. fucking work of something Big genius. Shout out. They are their own work of genius. I did not meet them, so that was... I'll just take your yes. word for it. <laughs> yeah. They're great, and you can find their writing so many different places. Um, 14 East Mag, uh, Screen Queens, I think. I think they've done stuff for Real Honey. Just so much. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Go check out more of Earbud Media. Check out Into the Twilight. Um, yeah. That's that's pretty much all I got. Is <sighs> it for me as well? Thank you so much for listening. You can find us at Charmed Spellcast on Instagram. You can email us charmedspellcast at gmail.com. I'm Shana. You can find me at Shana Macy. I'm Bryce. Oh, wait, 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 wait. No, you can't. I'm Shana. You can find me at Bernadette Teeters. Oh, yeah. You changed your <laughs> name. I remember now. Uh, okay, well, I'm Bryce. You can find me at Your Best Bryce or at Finished Foodstagram. And um, thank you again for coming on this journey with us. Bryce out. Bernadette out. <sighs> okay. So Piper's dealing with a basic chef bro, a crabs loving shorts wearing basic ass hoe, and Prue's on a mission to help Max who's been missing escape the bank, save the data, not go to prison. Leo got caught because he's floating pretty high. They really should have called him a highlighter. I don't have a rhyme for that. I just, I feel like they missed an opportunity there. Can Phoebe hide the truth? Keep quiet all the proof. Leave it up to Leo and hope he's not uncouth. Tall order, small wonder, spills it on the roof. Technically attic, but close enough. We get our happy ending. Prue wants children. Piper misses Leo. And Phoebe's just chilling. You've been listening to Earbud Media Production. Earbud Media. Audio for everyone. In the criminal justice system... Sexually based offenses oh, are considered yeah, especially it. heinous. In in the New New York Police Department of of SVU Crime Solvers, there's one man who is actually a woman. It's it's Olivia Benson, and she solves New York's most heinous, heinous crimes. crimes. Bum bum.